0: Today's reading is going to be out of John, John 10, 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is a shepherd, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to keep it up again, take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is God's Word.
1: Amen. Thanks, Romero. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be back. For those of you that don't know me, that makes sense. I've been gone a while. I've been on sabbatical. My name is Vince. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, it is good to have... Uh, it's just good to be back with you guys. Um, been on sabbatical. It's been a time of rest and recovery, recovery of calling and what it means to be a pastor. And uh, I've been asked by a few people, so I'll just I'll just answer this. Yes, we had a lot of fun. That was awesome. Hawaii was amazing. Praise God for Hawaii. God made it, and it was good. Right. Um, also, yeah, what's it like to be back? Um, it's kind of like if you didn't work out for a few months and then you hit the gym on leg day. That's how I've been feeling. Um, and this is my first time back in the pulpit in what feels like almost like two months. Um, but it's good to be back with you guys. And uh, during this time of sabbatical and rest and recovery of what it means to be in ministry, what it means to follow the good shepherd, this passage was something that weighed heavy on my heart. It got spoke to me through quite a bit, and I wanted to share some of the things he was speaking to me with, with all of you today. Um, and I think uh, one of the reasons why it's so important to, to dwell on this is because to even be a shepherd of sheep, first first of all, you essentially have to learn what it means to be a good sheep and follow the good shepherd. And so this passage breaks down some awesome truths that we're going to try to touch on today. We won't get to all of the truths in this passage, but we're going to do uh, the best that we can to follow where we felt like the good shepherd was leading when he was putting this on my heart yesterday. So this is kind of half-baked, but if you guys like cookies that have only been partially baked, you'll love this sermon, okay? If you like gooey brownies, this sermon is for you, all right? You guys ready? All right, cool. Jesus, uh, Jesus is speaking this, of course, and he knows his audience, As a speaker, you want to know your audience, and he knows that his audience is intimately familiar with the 23rd Psalm, which you all know, most of you, I'm sure, begins how? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that psalm, as a pastor, has been such a precious psalm. Uh, You do funerals as a pastor, and you're almost always asked to read that psalm, along with, you know, there's other great passages on, on death and eternity from, like, Psalm 40, Psalm 90, a lot of other great passages, but whenever you read Psalm 23, everyone breaks down and starts to cry. Why? What is it? What is it about Psalm 23 and this idea of a good shepherd that just goes so deep? You know what I mean? It's like um, it, it, the, the one who leads me to calm places, the, the idea of one who restores my weary, aching heart and provides for me complete safety and deep satisfaction and rest, that, that image touches the deepest nerve and awakens this deep yearning. It's, it's so deep within us. Some of you are being driven by that yearning, by that desire, and you're trying to find the good shepherd in other people and in other places because that desire is so strong, and it shapes, it shapes most of our lives. In fact, many of us aren't aware of how much our lives are being shaped by that desire right now as we speak and the decisions we made over the past week and months and years. But because this desire is so strong, it it shapes our lives. And and here's what I want to say today from the outset is that unless you find him to be the good shepherd, you will try to find this kind of shepherding, this kind of care, someone to make everything better in some human being or in some human institution, or you'll try to be your own shepherd and fail, and, and just get you know fail miserably, get cynical, get, get broken up by life. So Jesus is touching a very deep nerve here. So knowing that, knowing Psalm 23, knowing what we know about it, knowing that deep nerve, he does this very characteristic thing of Jesus. He says, I am that good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And it's an astonishing claim. It's, it's something you see Jesus do over and over in the book of John, right? And he, he comes and he, he paints this picture of a shepherd and he touches that deep nerve in their soul. And then he says, what you're looking for, what you're longing for, I'm that. I am the good shepherd. And it's an astonishing claim we have to look at it today because this particular understanding of Jesus as shepherd is something that I'd like for all of you today to not just say, yeah, I know that. I read that Psalm. I read John 10 before. I know that God is my shepherd. But I mean, how many of you know, like Psalm 23 is probably the most well-read chapter in the Bible. Well-known. We all know it. But I challenge you today to really examine your life and examine to what degree you've actually pulled this truth of God as your shepherd into your understanding and into your daily living as a believer and a worshiper of God. And it's so important because on one hand, it, in Christianity, one thing I love about it is that children can become Christians because it's so simple. In so many other faiths around the world, you, you, know, you have this rigorous moral standard that you have, to, uh, you have to climb to, or you have this deep sense of spirituality, and you can't really do that to a child. Children have to like, grow up to where they can even receive that And so therefore, they have to grow up before they can join the faith, but but not Christianity. Because Jesus said, you remember, he said, let the children come unto me. Any child can grasp this concept of God as shepherd. It's so simple on one hand. And then on the other hand, it's it's so good. The concept is so multifaceted and complex, and it will fill up the greatest holes in your soul no matter how deep they go. So three points today we're going to walk through that. I'd like to look at what Jesus teaches here under three headings. The sheep, the shepherd, and the world. Okay? Let's dive in. The sheep. We have a smaller crowd today, so let's just dive into some dialogue. When you think of sheep, word association, what are some things you think of? Dumb. Dumb. Smelly. These are positive. I like this. (laughs) What else? What else do you think of? Ugly. What else? Yeah, ugly or cute depends on the sheep. <laughs> Gentle, okay. What? I'm sorry. Sickly. Yeah, yeah. Sheep, sheep can get sick like that, can't they? Wondering. Yeah. yeah. Follower. What's that? Follower. A follower. No I'm so sorry. I heard something about a fence. No defenses. Know the fences. Yes. No no Yes. <laughs> I was like, they know the fences. Yes. Good. <laughs> They don't, you're right, they don't have any defense. I mean, they have teeth, but it's like to grind grass, right? You ever been bit by a sheep? There are no stories of people getting bit by sheep, right? (laughs) That's good. Yeah. They move in a flock. How many of these uh, adjectives or descriptors that we're talking about here are like supremely positive? It's like, "Eh, they're kind of cute. That's like the only positive thing we got out of this idea of sheep. And when the Bible talks about us being sheep, it's not a flattering thing. When Jesus says you're like sheep, it's not a flattering thing, right? It's like, oh, man, when I think about all those things that a sheep is, and that's what I am, right? There's, there's a, think about this. There's a wild everything. There are wild horses. There are wild cats, wild dogs. There are no wild sheep, right? Why? Sheep are too dim-witted and helpless. If you let an animal go, it will either go wild or it will come back home. Not sheep, right? You let the horse go, he's like, born free, free as the wind. You know, he's just gone, man. He's enjoying life. <laughs> or he comes back home and says, throw a saddle on me. I'm ready. That's, that's all you got with a horse. With sheep, they're like, oh, where am I? Where's my dinner? You know, it's just like completely lost. They wander around aimlessly. And, 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 you know, it's like, what the heck am I? Who am I? A, a horse without a rancher, it feels freedom. You let a sheep go without a shepherd, it dies. They have no sense of direction. They eat anything, including poisonous plants, because they don't know the difference. A sheep can fall over on its back and, like a turtle, not be able to turn itself up and die. I remember we went uh, hunting in Montana when I was a kid. I was about Gavin's age, and uh, my, my seven-year-old, and there was a sheep out in the pasture of the, this rancher whose property we were hunting deer on. And I, I was like, what's the matter with the sheep? So yeah, everybody's out hunting. You know, I'm seven, so I've got my stick that looks like a rifle somewhat. And, you know, I go over to the sheep, and I'm just, like, petting it. And the sheep's she's just laying there, and, and the rancher comes over, and he goes, yeah, buddy, he's bloated. He's dying. You, nothing you can do, you know, And I was just like so sad, tender-hearted kid. So I just started petting the sheep. You can do it, buddy. You can do it. Swear to God, this actually happened. The sheep eventually got up and started walking. I don't know how, but you know what? Here's the thing that I walked away with as a kid. It was like, man, sheep really need people to help them. Sheep need people to help them. He couldn't have gotten up on his own. I was a motivational speaker to a sheep at the age of seven. (laughs) And not only that, like sheep, they, they move community, right? We said that, and you know, they move in a group and the blind kind of lead the blind and they'll lead each other into danger. Lily told me she was in Iceland a couple years ago and looked out on an island and saw a movement, thought it was birds. She could tell this story better and then realized it was sheep falling off a sea cliff into the ocean. And she asked about it and they're like, yeah, that's just what they do. If the shepherd's not there, they'll just fall off the cliff. It's like, well, you know, in Iceland, they just, that's, I guess it's why they eat more horse meat. The horses are smarter and they live longer. Sorry, I'm rusty. I'm dusting the cobwebs off Forget. What's the point? Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. And that's the posture that you and I have to have if we're ever going to follow the shepherd. If we don't have that posture in our heart, what are we going to do? We'll, we'll never, ever follow him. Jesus says, you're sheep. And you need a shepherd. Let's talk about that real quick. What, what's a shepherd? Point number two. See, we're moving. Point number two. When you think of a shepherd, especially maybe less the modern, the modern time where they're falling off the cliff. Um, but think 2,000 years ago in the new Near East. What do you know of shepherds? What do you think of when you think of a shepherd of sheep? Caretaker. Caretaker. Good. What else? Caretaker. What? Kind. Kind. Yeah. You got to be patient with the sheep, right? There he goes again. Huh? Lonely. Lonely. Oh, yeah, that is. It can be a very lonely job, right? Isolating. I mean, unless you talk to the sheep. uh, (laughs) Anyway, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lonely job. Normally, one shepherd for a flock. What else? Yeah, that's true. It wasn't, it wasn't the most glorious job, right? You didn't walk in and be like, I'm the shepherd, and they're like, oh, hey, your drink's on me, buddy. Good job out there. You know, it's like, ah, uh, man, here comes the stinky guy. He smells like the sheep, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. It's not, not the most glorious job. Yeah, Kim. Defender. defender. Yeah, you know, a shepherd has to be a defender. Somebody said a caretaker. Uh, a teacher, a communicator, a physician when the sheep gets hurt. You got to do everything for the sheep. The sheep are going to die if you're not there. You are that sheep's all and all. In fact, Jesus says, I'm the door. If you go and visit the Near East, one of the things they'll show you is uh, in that area of like uh, Galilee and Nazarene where the shepherds, the sheep pen would basically just be about the size of this platform just a big round wall with an opening. And you say, well, where's the door? Did it fall off? No, the shepherd is the door. What they do at night is, you know, they got the sheep out there in the pasture. They bring them in. They call them by name. They count them each one. The sheep get in there, and the shepherd lays there, and his body throughout the night is the door for the wolves and the thieves and everyone that would try to come in and get the sheep. And he personally protects the sheep, and that's the imagery Jesus is pulling on. I'm the door. I'm the door to the sheepfold. So he's the, he takes care of the sheep, he's the cook, the shepherds everything to the sheep. We tracking? I want you to really admit this fact, to yourself at least. It sounds wonderful to say the Lord is my shepherd. People weep when they hear it at funerals, but honestly, I think they're crying more out of like nostalgia and a sense of sentimentality, not necessarily because they're letting the truth of it hit them. It's more nostalgic, right? It reminds them of better days better times, but they do not let the truth really sink in that the Lord is, wants to be our shepherd. We don't really like to face the fact that he has to be everything to us. All right, you remember what Jesus says in John 15? Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. We don't really like to believe that though, do we? Everything about our heart naturally goes against that idea. Our heart, like, honestly kind of hates the idea. We hate the truth of the Lord being our everything. But we love the sound of the Lord being our shepherd. Why? Because deep down, we don't see ourselves as sheep. We believe we're smart. We believe we can make all the right decisions. I'm a good person. You know, I'm pretty smart. We make the right decisions mostly. We don't really want a shepherd. Here's what we want. We want a consultant. We want a consultant... It's someone who's on retainer, who only comes in when things really get tough. It's like, call in the shepherd, you know? Now it's time. There's, there's too many wolves, the sheep are outnumbered, and our teeth can't take them. Call the shepherd, you know? I've watched a lot of movies and cartoons over the last month. <laughs> Sorry. Um, last night, Gavin, uh, Gavin was hungry, and so I was like, dude, let's go, let's go get some stuff and make pizza at home. It's a fun little thing you do. It's easy activity, and so we go to do it, but this time it was different. We've done it two or three times, and Gavin was like, Dad, I want to do this on my own. I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll just stay in here, you know, if you need me. No, 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 no Dad, I want to make my pizza. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> no problem, you know, because I know what that means. It's probably going to be a mess, you know, cleanup up and everything, but he's like, Dad, I've got this. So a few minutes later, <laughs> all of a sudden, I hear, I'm in the living room, Dad, I need help. So I go over, and somehow he's done an olive oil paint job on the entire counter. (laughs) Tomatoes and cheese. There were more toppings on the counter than the pizza. Let's just put it that way. One guess, who do you think did most of the work last night cleaning all that up? Gavin, that's right. The good shepherd says, sheep, clean up your mess. I did, yeah. And here's the deal. He didn't want my guidance until he was so frustrated he was ready to give up. And guess where he got that from? I'm the same way. As a pastor, I'll like muscle up. I've been feeling it, you know, like I said, leg day at the gym. I'll go through the whole day and I'll like counsel and coach and pray and prepare and do all this stuff as a pastor. And then I look at my calendar and there's like one more meeting at the end of the day. I'm like, oh God, please, I really need you for this. one. I really need you to show up. And he's like, I was here all along. Why? Who were you depending on? What? Why do you think you could do anything without me? I'm here all the time to give you wisdom, to give you guidance, to protect you, to lead you. To, oh. The truth is, I need him all the time, but I don't live like it. I need him to be everything to me, but I only live like I want him to be some things. I relegate aspects of my life to different shepherds. Why? Because part of my heart doesn't even want a shepherd. I want a consultant. Face the fact we need a shepherd. What would you do? Let me, let me ask you. If I could say, hey, I'm going to go back in a time machine, talk to your, uh, yourself 10 years ago, and I'm going to tell you all the things that were selfish and broken that you've done in the past 10 years. Okay, that way maybe you can avoid him. If I went to talk to you 10 years ago about all the broken stuff you are going to do in the last 10 years, what would you say? No way. That's not me. I would never do that stuff. Right? It's, it's kind of like Simon Peter. Jesus is like, no, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. He's like, no way. What are you talking about? Next morning, he's hiding in shame and guilt. Why? Because there's this, there's this truth that you, you and I we, we don't think we're going to do as bad as we do, but look at what you've done in the past 10 years. Look at all the pizza messes that you, you and I have left around the kitchens of life. You need a shepherd. Just admit it. But admitting it's not enough either because you can admit something and not practice it. You can face cold, hard facts, but it's different to live moment by moment by that truth. Right? The doctor says, don't eat any more sugar. That's a good idea. I'm not going to. Three days later. You know, pie is basically fruit. You know? <laughs> you can admit it, but not practice it. You can admit you need a shepherd, but not live like it's true. The shepherd says, hey, don't go that way. There's a hill and there's a steep cliff on the other side. I love you. I got better plans for you. Don't go that way. You're like, yeah, but the grass is greener over there. Anybody? Anybody? The problem is you aren't a great shepherd for yourself because you're not really qualified for the job. I'm sorry to break it to you. But you don't have the experience. Look at your track record. You can't see 10 years down the road. The shepherd sees everything from the eternal perspective. Your life is laid out like an open book in front of him. And you may think this thing over here is good for you. It looks yummy. And the good shepherd like, knows it's poisonous. Yeah, it's going to taste good, but you're going to die in your sleep. You may be stuck on your back and unable to fix your situation. You need a shepherd to come along and turn you right side up again. And it's hard for us to admit that, isn't it? Do you feel that struggle in your heart? Fighting for control, wanting to choose your own path. What if I don't like where he leads? What if he says no to something I really want? What if he brings something into my life that I'm not happy about? We struggle because we want to lead ourselves But that's not the only struggle. Sometimes we do choose to follow, but we just follow the wrong shepherds. We all want the things the good shepherd provides. We all want security. We all want significance. We all want satisfaction in life. But we often look to lesser shepherds to provide all that for us in those areas, right? Human beings, human institutions. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? If I had this, then... I'd be happy, I'd be satisfied. Man, when I finally get married, I'll be complete. You complete me. No? You, com- no? You- <laughs> if I can just get that new job or that race, I'll finally live the lifestyle I want. Get that car, get that home, get that swimming pool, right? If I could just have so and so's approval in my life, then I'd finally feel at home in my own skin. If my dad would finally call me and say, I love you, this person, this thing, lead me, lead me, lead me. Provide for me the life I'm craving. And we do this in a lot of different ways, don't we? We do it apart from God by chasing all kinds of brokenness out there, but we also do it in the church. We do this religiously or irreligiously. We do it by disobeying God. We do it by obeying God. We surround ourselves with voices who will tell us what we want to hear and shut out the others that we don't. Follow false shepherds to get the life we want. Jesus says, keeping to themselves teachers who tickle their ears. And eventually we end up every time wounded, abandoned, and alone and in danger out in the world or tumbling down some island cliff in iceland i've been there i can admit it can you i think we have to get there at points in our life to realize again and again that we need a shepherd and god is brokenhearted with that reality listen to what he says to these shepherds who like hired hands basically only help the sheep in order to really help themselves this is from ezekiel a few hundred years before jesus Listen, this is what Jesus is drawn from when he's talking here in John 10. But listen to this. The word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, you who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you've not strengthened, the sick you've not healed, the injured you've not bound up and the strayed you've not brought back, the lost you've not sought, and with force and harshness you've ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with no one to search for them or seek them. You know, I'll just dive into this real quick, a sub point. When human beings or human institutions are willing to be propped up as hired hands and false shepherds and functional saviors, they can always gather followers. And let me tell you, anybody in any kind of leadership role, any kind of authority position, whether you're just a manager at work or whether you're you're a parent at home or whether you're a pastor or a politician, any of these situations, it's a real struggle not to give in to the temptation to become somebody's false savior. You've had those conversations, haven't you? When somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, I'm dealing with this thing in my life. What do you think? I need help. Pastor, just tell me what to do. Just tell me. No, my job is not to tell you what to do. My job is not to point you to me. My job is to point you to the good shepherd. I'm broken, man. But there's one that's good. Jesus is speaking to people, Pharisees, who've given into that temptation, and it's destroying them from the inside out. And he's talking to them about true and false shepherds, and he's mirroring this haunting passage from the prophet Ezekiel. you got to understand, briefly, and this is important, you're like, why are we going into this? Because the context of this text that we just read didn't just start with Jesus talking aimlessly to a crowd. It started in the chapter before where Jesus healed a blind man And the spiritual leaders, the shepherds of Israel, were so ticked about it, they immediately arrested the guy and tried to get dirt on Jesus, tried to flip him. You guys remember this story? And the guy, what does he say? He's like, man, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. So then they're like, well, that's not working. Let's go get Jesus, right? And they come, they grab Jesus, and they start drilling him. They shine the floodlight. You know, where were you on November 12th? You know, It's like interrogation of Jesus Christ. And he starts out at the end of the last chapter saying, there's this thing called spiritual blindness. But then he switches to this imagery, this imagery of shepherds, true and false shepherds. And he says in John 10:1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Who's Jesus pointing those words toward? The false shepherds of Israel, the Pharisees at this point. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is going in on them. You're like, it's like a UFC fight verbally with Jesus and the Pharisees, right? Tonight on NBC. Why? Why is God going in on the Pharisees? Because God is brokenhearted about the state of his sheep. These Pharisees are supposed to be the shepherds of Israel, but instead of leading the sheep of God, they've been leading the sheep astray from God. And Jesus is cutting them to the quick. He's saying, you were supposed to be guiding souls, but instead you're using them. You're supposed to be pouring into the people I've brought your way, but instead you're ripping them off. You're supposed to be shepherds, but you're just being thieves. And that's a heavy truth, right? And it's bad news for false shepherds anywhere. It's bad news for any time that we step into that mode, any one of us. It's what happens when we prop ourselves up in pride whenever we take God's place in someone's life and presume to be the voice of God to them. And not only was it bad news for them and for false shepherds, it was bad news for the flock of God because it was scattered and lost and endangered. And the good shepherd loves his flock. But look, look at what he says next in Ezekiel. Look at the promise. Look at the good news here. Look at the heart of the shepherd in verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep, and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from all the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. And I I will, uh, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country, I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land. And on the rich pasture, they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. And I will bring back the strayed. And I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I'll destroy. And I'll feed them in justice. Wow. You see that? You see the heart of the shepherd? That's his heart for you. This is a shepherd worth following. If you've been wounded by bad spiritual leadership in your life, if people in authority have abused their positions of power, If people who are supposed to protect you and protect your heart instead wounded you. If you've been left high and dry by the false shepherds of our culture, the the politicians or the corporations with their slick commercials promising all kinds of stuff they couldn't deliver. If people have failed you, if situations have crushed you, if you've put your hope in someone or something to give you the life you crave and they let you down, whether it's a job or a relationship or a situation, a human being, a human institution, whatever, you have the good shepherd of your soul seeking you out. He wants to bring you in. He wants to heal you and feed you and recover your life. He's the good shepherd. He's not the hired hand who cares what he gets from the sheep. He's the true shepherd who cares what he gives for the sheep. And when we see him as that, that's the only thing that will free our hearts to follow him. Listen to what he says here in John. The sheep, this is Jesus speaking. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow. But they will flee from, for they do not know the voice of strangers. A couple of quick sub points here, just because they're so good, and these are just little gold nuggets for you to tease out later, okay? Number one, the more you follow him, the more you'll get to know his voice. It's distinct from the rest. The more you get to know Jesus, the more you'll recognize his voice above all the others. It's always leading you forward. It's always leading you toward closer relationship with him. It never contradicts his word. God's not the author of confusion. The Holy Spirit's not going to tell you to do something that the Word of God says not to do, right? Try okay. So therefore, just subtext there. Read your Bible, right? Two. As you follow Him, you don't just walk around in circles in a sheep pen. That's some of our Sunday experiences and our church experiences, right? Or at least we've lived there before. Show up on Sunday. Do the sheep pen thing, go back out. It's just work. It's just life. It's just school. It's just whatever. No, you're following the shepherd into all those things where he's leading you. He leads his sheep out to pasture. Following him can be surprisingly adventurous. I hope you hear me. I'm going to repeat that. Following the good shepherd can be surprisingly adventurous, even dangerous. Sometimes he leads us to places we may not feel like going. We go in and out to pasture, away from the sheep pen. We follow our shepherd as he leads us out into the world. That's the third point. Real quick question. As you think about the world of the sheep, right? Maybe some of the key words in this passage, what kinds of things pop out in your head about the world that the sheep inhabited? What are some things? I heard an umph somewhere. I'll take it. I'll take an umph. Is there anything else? Any other things you think about when you think about the world of a sheep? This is a hard one. I'll give you guys some, some, some thoughts. You know, he talks about thieves and robbers, he talks about wolves, he talks about dangers. The world of a sheep without a shepherd is just fraught with danger. Right? What is our calling as sheep? Stay safe. Stay in the sheepfold, right? Is that what our calling is? No, we aren't called. Let me tell you. First point, right? We aren't just called to see ourselves in our true state as as needy sheep. We aren't just called to abandon our own self-control and our false shepherds for the good shepherd. We are also called to follow him out into the world alongside him on his mission to bring lost, herding sheep back to the fold. In Matthew 10, Jesus says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So just that brief point, the mission of God is not safe, but it's life with the shepherd. The mission of God is going to have some still waters and some green pastures, but it's going to have some death valleys. But I will not fear why, for thou art with me. Life with the shepherd is doesn't mean it's just easy laying around in green pastures and drinking from water. If somebody sold you that when they invited you into Christianity, they lied to you. It doesn't mean it's all desert and thorn bushes either, but there's some danger. Are you following Jesus as he calls you by name into his mission? You see how those three go together, the shepherd, the sheep, and the world? The up, the in, the out, the three directions we're called to live. The more you own your need as a sheep, the more you surrender to your shepherd and follow him on mission, the more you'll experience the abundant life that Jesus talks about in this chapter when he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have abundant life. And that's what I want to wrap up here with. Some of you are still on the fence. You're like, yeah, that sounds great. But how can we really know? that he's a good shepherd? Is there a place in all this where we can really see his heart? I mean, is there a place where I, know, I can know he's trustworthy enough to follow, enough to, to, even through death valleys, even through life's difficulties, how can I trust him more than the other shepherds that I followed? How can I trust him enough to surrender my own control to him? Where do we get the guts to follow him out into a dangerous world full of thieves and wolves And enough to convince the other sheep that he's worth leaving everything for. How? Where do we get that? Jesus says something three times in this passage. And, you know, whenever somebody repeats something three times in a passage, it's probably worth checking out. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me just as my Father knows me. And I know the Father, and I what? Lay down my life for the sheep. You guys with me? Verse 17. For this reason, the Father loves me because I what? Lay down my life. That I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. Three times in this passage, he repeats a shadowing of things to come. The good shepherd is going to lay down his life for the sheep. He isn't some hired hand just looking to get something from the sheep. He's the good shepherd who's who's looking to give something for the sheep. He's going to give him his own life. In a few weeks, he's going to follow his own shepherd into the valley of the shadow of death. And instead of just fearing no evil, he's going to lay down his own life for the sheep. He says, "I, I lay down my life knowingly. I, the shepherd, give my life to the sheep I No one makes me lay it down. I do it voluntarily. And then he says, I know my sheep. I got to leave you with this teaching here. This is so important. If he's the shepherd and he knows you completely, that means he knows you all the way down to the bottom. You cannot surprise him. You have a shepherd who knows you all the way down to the depths of your soul, and he still loves you. He's still willing to go to the cross for you. It says he lays down his life for the sheep. That word for in Greek can be used a couple different ways, but it can also mean instead of. I lay down my life instead of the sheep. I take their place. I'll be their substitution. He says, I will take up their cross so they can have my crown. I'll take their punishment so they can have my reward. I die instead of them. And on the cross, Jesus really showed us that, didn't he? He showed us he was the ultimate shepherd. He didn't just talk about it, all talk and no walk. He walked all the way up that hill with that cross on his back. And he gave himself for the sheep. Shepherd, what are you doing on the cross? Why? What? what do you mean the Father's forsaking you? For the sheep? I mean, I know you don't want them to go to the wolves and the thieves. But they're just sheep. They're, you know, sheep you really care that much for them, you with incomparable glory and greatness, you who don't owe anyone anything, you who created the world when they messed it up and yet you're here on the cross, I lay down my life for the sheep. I take my hands and my feet to the cruel iron for you. I take on the hard, bloody sweat for you. No other shepherd will do that Listen to me. No other shepherd in your life will do that for you. Everything else that you're following, that you're chasing after, will it lay down its life for you? Will it take places with you? Can it take its life back up again for you? I I hope you'll listen to me. He loves you. He accepts you. He affirms you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be your all and all. And you can try to find that kind of shepherding in other human beings and other human institutions out there. You can say, no, I just can't trust anybody. I'm going to be my own shepherd. I need to be in control. No, look, the moment you can trust him as the good shepherd, you're set free. You're set free to relax. You're set free to rest. You're set free to follow. You're set free to give yourself to others as you've been freely given by him. And that means I want to admonish you to do two things in closing, okay? First of all, I want you, when we, when we take communion here in a moment, I want you to imagine while you're doing it that you're coming and you're just resting in Him. Oh, when's the last time you just relaxed? Are you going to finally relax? Like if He knows you all the way down to the bottom, if He knows everything in your heart, there's nothing you can do to surprise Him. We just said that. You might surprise yourself from time to time, but you don't surprise Him. He, He's called you by name. He already knew what you were going to do. He already died for it. You're finally safe with him. Jesus says all the ones, in John 10, 27, all the ones my father gives me, I will lose none of them. Think about that. Because Jesus is the good shepherd. He can say, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. I'm the good shepherd. Some of you just need to relax today and rest in your shepherd. He loves you. When are you going to relax? When are you going to rest in him? When are you going to recognize who he is and who you are? That's my hope today, that you'd rest in him and that you'd find yourself. And when you really begin to see him as the good shepherd, and you really begin to see yourself as his little lamb whom he loves, who he doesn't view as a dim-witted animal, his heart is after you. It beats for you you'll not only rest, but you'll follow him into the abundant life that he has in store for you, full of mission and purpose and meaning and value. I want you guys to try this exercise this week, maybe later this afternoon while it's still fresh. i put it on the board. Write down every area of your life, your family, political, sexual, social, professional, your thought life, your recreational, every, every aspect of your life you can think of. And then ask yourself two questions. Are you willing to do anything that God asks you to do in all those areas? Where do you struggle to let him be the shepherd? And two, are you willing to thank him for what he's bringing into those areas, even the times when he leads through the valley of the shadow of death? Let's pray. You're our good shepherd, Lord. And we're so thankful for that reminder today. It's a reminder of your grace you know your sheep and yet you still love them. And that's something we all crave, to to be really known as we are and to be loved as we are and accepted there. But we're always afraid if someone really knew us as we are, they'd reject us. In Jesus, we have a good shepherd who knows us down to our depths and calls us by name and yet loves us to the heavens. Thank you for the gospel of your son. That you were not willing to leave us out there stranded on the hillsides, perishing, tumbling down cliffs, but you sent your son to bring us back into the fold. That he took our wounds and brokenness and he healed them by taking them upon himself so that we could be healed and free. For those of us who are bound, free us today. For those of us who are wounded, heal us today. For those of us who are still afraid to trust, give us faith today. Help us to see you and to feel your heart for us, where words and sermons and theatrics might fall short. Holy Spirit, apply these deep truths to our heart. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to know your voice, God. To follow you into mission in, in this city and wherever you lead and to see many of your lost ones come join the fold and experience the abundant life that you have waiting for. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.